This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. This is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I've got Alex Delp on here. Alex is a real estate investor here in Austin. He's still working at W-2 right now, but he's doing a ton of cool stuff with real estate. He fully remodeled a house hack that he lives in, and he just bought a long-term rental in Austin where the numbers actually work. Hey, Alex, how are you? Good, Jordan. How are you doing, man? Good. Good to have you on. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Before we get started, I've got the most important question. I want to make sure people really know more about you. What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Okay, well, I'm going to give you three if that's okay, because I'm, I'm the kind of guy who has a hard time picking one favorite. Sure. So I like, um, when you say favorite, one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is Red Ash downtown. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Ash Italia. They're mm -hmm. bone marrow appetizers. One of the most amazing things I've had, I think, to eat in recent memory. Um, overall great experience too. I also really like the clay pit. Have you been there downtown? Oh yeah. I love clay pit. That's uh, to me, that's the best Indian I've found in Austin so far. So I really like that place. Great atmosphere, great food. Uh, and then one kind of wild card place that we found recently is called tycoon in the, do the domain. So it's spelled T H A I space K U N. Oh. I think it's kind of a play on the word tycoon, like the tropical storm, but mm -hmm. it's just amazing Thai street food. And we just found that one recently and I've been enjoying that. That's awesome. I've not been to tycoon. I've been to red ash and clay pit and I love both yeah. of those places, but not been to tycoon. So real quick for our guests, can you tell them who you are and how you got involved with real estate investing in the Austin area? Sure. So I'll take you back in time a little bit to, kind of explain how I got interested in real estate investing in the first place. So it's November, 2019. My wife, Megan, and I just bought our first house back in uh, Pennsylvania, where we were both born and raised. We figured we'd be there for a few years. So we kind of settled in. Fast forward to uh, June of 2021, about almost two years later, year and nine months, I got a job offer here in Austin. And we were in a position where we needed to sell our house and move across the country. So when we first bought that house in November of 2019, we paid 375 for it. In 2021, when we turned back around to sell it, just under two years later, we sold it for 460. So that moment when I logged on to my bank account and saw that wire transfer sitting there for our, our net proceeds from the title company after that sale was really the first moment that I was like, wow, this is this is really powerful, specifically the power of, you know, leverage and, and um, using other people's money. So I'd say that's the first, the first time that it really clicked for me that real estate might be something I'd be interested in. Fast forward another few months, it's summer of 2021. We've now moved to Austin. Uh, we're kind of trying to get out into the social arena, make some friends. Uh, my wife makes, makes friends with a girl named Jess who just happens to be dating this guy named Jordan Moorhead. So, so we end up, you know, as you remember, going on a few double dates and getting to talking. And it didn't take long before we ended up on the topic of real estate. 
and specifically house hacking, mm -hmm. which we can get into if you want. But uh, I think be, being primed for wanting to invest in real estate with my experience selling our first house and then talking to you about your experiences and the power of house hacking that you've seen really just motivated me to get to the point where I would actually make the decision to get involved. Should we say where they met too? I think that's funny. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so they met on Bumble BFF. Um, I didn't know it was still a thing that was like around and happening. And I guess mm -hmm. a lot of people moving to Austin because there's so many people that aren't from here, get on Bumble to meet friends. So the BFF is kind of how they met. And mm -hmm. what do you know? Uh, that's such a good coincidence. That's awesome. Yeah, I love just the serendipity of, you know, meeting people with interests that can help you and help you shape your life. And I think that's a great thing about being in Austin, where there's a lot of people who want to better themselves here and, and learn and grow. So you just have a much higher likelihood of bumping into those kind of people. Absolutely. You know, you bring up a great point about Austin. And I tell people that all the time and say, hey, why'd you move to Austin? Well, I moved to Austin to escape the cold. Mm -hmm. When I got here, I realized that there's so many more people here that are interested in growing and getting better and being better and just exploring new things and new ideas. And that's just such an awesome piece about being in Austin is nothing's ever just static and, oh, I married that girl I went to high school with and now we've got three kids running around. We live in our same neighborhood. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But well, it's funny you say that because I actually did marry the girl I went to high school with, but <laughs> it didn't stop us from from moving across the country and having an adventure. Yeah. And Megan's she's growing in all sorts of areas of her life. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, you met the right person right off the bat. It's not that easy for everybody. But yeah, I but, got lucky. Yeah, you got lucky. Um, so you said you initially got attracted to real estate investing when you sold your first house and just saw the the proceeds from that mm -hmm. using leverage from a bank. Uh, what does you went from and a lot of people have trouble with this. You went from living in a home that you owned to a home that you were renting to saying, I'm going to go live in a duplex. How'd you mm -hmm. make that jump there? So I think like, how did I, how did I go from living in a single family to living in a duplex? Basically, how'd you get your mind around of like, Hey, I'm going to essentially downgrade mm -hmm. to, to then move up later in life. So it's a I gotcha. temporary pain for a long-term gain. That's so much easier said than done. You know? Yeah. That's exactly how we looked at it, Jordan. We didn't say, you know, we're setting out to find our dream home, our place where we want to live. That's going to be the most comfortable and the best neighborhood. The goal that we started out with was we want to go find an investment property and one of the best tools to allow us to acquire an investment property with the amount of cash and um, funding that we have available is to make use of an FHA loan and live on the property for a year. Mm -hmm. So we didn't even really think of it in terms of, is this somewhere we want to live or is this somewhere we want to be long-term? It was really just, can we get through a year here? And is the investment solid? So yeah, I think actually getting our minds around being able to live somewhere like that, that was different from what we were used to and pushed our comfort zone a little bit. I think I just knew how much I wanted to get into this and how much I wanted to have the benefits of starting early 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So I think I honestly just tried to bite the bullet before I thought could think too much about it. <laughs> 
No, that's awesome. And I mean, you talked about that you're just wanting to be there for a year and you wanted the outcome more than you cared about the the temporary situation. I think that's so important. Right. So many people, I talk to people all day, every day, and they say, yeah, I just don't know if I could do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you don't know if you could live in a live in a duplex, it's like a townhome. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's a townhome. If you think of it as that way, like, hey, could, if you ask the same person, could you live in a townhome? I guarantee the answer is yes. Yeah. But... Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and I mean, granted, it's tight. You know, it's my wife and I and our two dogs and a little less than a thousand square feet, so I won't lie and tell you it's glamorous or, you know, always 100% fun and, and comfort, but... You know, we know what we signed up for, and uh, I think it's going to be a completely worthwhile trade-off to slightly push our comfort zone for a year in order to have acquired our first, you know, real investment property that will hopefully be one of many soon. Yeah, and you did it for such a low down payment. But the reason you're like, I still just can't get over, you, you so expertly explained that the reason was my why was so much bigger than the temporary pain. Mm-hmm. So to get over that temporary pain for that long-term gain, you just got to have a big why. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, for a, a small down payment and because you, you just bought another investment property. And can you tell us about that one here real quick? Yeah. So that one was a little bit different. So uh, we closed first week in January and I bought this one with a good friend and business partner who's also very interested in real estate investing. So because we used... A, uh, we used a DSCR loan, mm-hmm. so we had to put a higher percent down. We put 25% down, but because we split that between the two of us, it was less of a burden for each of us to bring that to the table. Um, so that's how we that's how we went about that one. And as you said in the intro, it's a it's a long term rental for that one. Mm-hmm. And it, it needs a little bit of work too, I believe, right? Yeah, the inside actually isn't terrible. I think it was renovated in the last few years. It's kind of dirty and dingy, but you know, uh, it's solid. A little cleaning up though. Yeah. A little cleaning up some paint. Uh, the exterior is probably the roughest part. You know, some of like the fascia boards and exterior trim and stuff are pretty rotted out, but it's not, you know, the house isn't going to fall down anytime soon. It's watertight. You know, it's things that we can kind of work on as we're able without a ton of urgency. That's good. That's good to have. I think that you know, having a plan, but not having, that's why I love rentals because mm-hmm. you have a little bit of time buffer. You don't have yeah. to have it done right away or you're not in a huge amount of trouble if it's not done right away. So you've got yeah. time on your side. Well, I think you also have to think about the standards of the kind of like who you're going to be renting to. So the house isn't in the nicest neighborhood, but it's just kind of a solid, you know, working class neighborhood. People just want to a clean and safe place to live, they're not really going to care if, you know, the paint's peeling in one spot or, mm-hmm. you know, the driveway's a little cracked. So I think you need to take that into consideration too. Absolutely. So Alex, I know you did, you did a lot of rehab yourself on this house hack, right? Right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then about maybe, uh, the biggest mistake you made in regards to that that rehab that you wouldn't do again? Sure. So for context, I uh, 
my path to graduating from college was kind of meandering and winding. And I took some time off and ended up working construction for what amounted to a few years. And during that time, I worked for work doing just about every different construction job you could imagine. So I was a laborer. I literally dug ditches. I worked for plumbers. I worked for electricians. I worked for carpenters. And I basically just got this really amazing variety of experience, not becoming an expert in anything. And that's kind of been a theme in my career and life in general, but sort of becoming a jack of all trades. So when I decided that I wanted to get into real estate investing and I wanted to buy, you know, we at this point decided we wanted to buy a duplex. I figured that one advantage that I could bring to the table from my skill set was getting a place that needed to be fixed up and then executing a lot of that work myself. The idea was that would also allow me to preserve as much of the capital as possible that we um, obtained through the, the sale of our Pennsylvania house, because I wanted to be able to keep as much of that for future deals as possible. So, yeah, I mean, the, the duplex we bought uh, on Rutland, our, the one we live in now, our first house hack was pretty gnarly when we bought it. I mean, that's yeah. I think that's putting it mildly, you know, it yeah. just really was not taken care of. Um, so many cockroach, uh, dead cockroaches, <laughs> uh, didn't smell great, you know, drywalls got holes punched in it and broken windows, fences falling over. I mean, I can, I can hardly think of a thing in or out of the house that didn't need to be touched or updated or fixed in some way. Mm-hmm. So it was a big, big project and I didn't do everything 100% myself. There are a few things I outsourced, like, um, the electrical service needed to be upgraded. There's no way I was going to take that on myself. Um, a big portion of the fence needed to be fixed. And I just doing that by myself would have taken forever. So I just paid a crew of guys to do that. Mm. Um, but as far as what I learned from that experience and the advice I would give maybe to my past self would be to think about the cost of your time mm-hmm. and the opportunity cost of working on construction when you could be renting out your unit. So we bought the property in March, moved in in May, and I didn't have the Airbnb ready to go until November. So it took me a decent bit of time to get all the repairs done. And that's time that I could have been, you know, that I could have started renting out earlier and started recouping that money. So I wouldn't have just fully farmed everything out necessarily, but I might've thought more carefully about, um, hiring out certain tasks that took me a really long time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I really like how you said it in the way of think about essentially the lost rent. Uh So I'm embarrassed to say this concept didn't occur to me until a few years ago when we had a, a couple rental projects just sitting vacant because we were using this great contractor who was really cheap, but he was really slow. So the way I look at that, the opportunity cost is I have to pay the mortgage, I have to pay the taxes, I have to pay the insurance, I have to pay some bills, I have to keep the property somewhat decent. Let's say that's you know a couple thousand dollars. And then you're losing rent. And like you said, if it's so with yours, I mean, if we just did quick numbers and said, hey, uh, let's say the the unit in question was $2,000 rent. I know it, it that's not the right number, just mm-hmm. using quick numbers. Let's say it's $2,000 rent, but then you're paying your whole $3,000 mortgage payment, and then you're paying to 
to keep the place up and that's an extra $500. So that monthly cost is actually $5,500. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm saving so much money doing this stuff, but that's every month you don't rent it out. Yeah. That's $5,500. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. And I did that exact calculation as I got down to the final stages of construction, specifically with the drywall finishing and painting. And I was doing it myself and I know how to do all that stuff and I could have gotten it done, but I projected out, okay, at this rate that I'm getting it done, it's going to take me X amount of time. You know, if I were to hire, this is, I know what it would cost to hire a crew of guys just come in who knock it out guys who do it all day, every day, who are twice as fast and as good as me, mm-hmm. who can bring, you know, three or four people to work on it at once. And it just was a no brainer. Yeah. And I think, you know, people think, oh, I'm saving so much money, but you know, if you're, if you've got a W2 job and you've got a wife and you've got a life of things you want to do, like how much time do you really have? And how much is, like you said, how much is your time worth too? So not only are you losing $5,500 a month, but something in your life might be suffering. Yeah, exactly. I did. And that absolutely happened. I became pretty single-minded on getting the rehab done, which you know, is valuable in some ways, but you know, I, my life was much less balanced for a few months as a result. So I think that's something I would definitely think about again for future projects. I think there are certain projects that make sense to take on for yourself. Um, you know, from a construction perspective, if you're handy, like light fixtures, things like that, mm-hmm. some light plumbing, things that are really expensive to hire a tradesperson, but not super time consuming. Whereas things like, um, any kind of intensive landscaping, fencing, drywall, and painting of any sort of extensive degree. Those things, I think you're just better suited to have a crew of guys come in and knock it out in a few days. Because mm-hmm. like you said, that takes a ton of time to do that stuff, and it's not super expensive to hire. Right. So if you had to, if you were to start over completely anew today, is there anything you'd do differently there besides just you know value your time more? Start over with this specific investment or kind of start over in, in life and in, in, in real estate investing life, not not your whole life. OK, well, the, my answer to that was going to be just to get started earlier. <laughs> oh, um, I wish I had, I had moved to Austin and bought some properties before, you know, 2020. But hindsight is 2020, I guess. Well, and I think that you. You know, if you bought your first house in 2019 and sold it in 21 and had, oh, wow, I made so much money off that, you really didn't waste a lot of time to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the best time was always yesterday, but the next best time is always today. So, yeah, starting over, I think I'm early enough in my real estate investing career, as it were, that I don't know. I think I'll probably have a better answer for you in a few years. I don't think I know enough yet to say what I should have done differently, aside from maybe thinking about my time a little bit differently with some of the rehab on my first uh, first deal. No, that's really smart. Really good insights, too. Um, so what's next for you? What are your real estate goals long term? 
Yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. Ultimately, for me, real estate investing, my hope for it anyway, my plan for it is for it to be a vehicle for me to become financially free and to not need to work anymore if I don't want to. I always want to have interesting projects and things to work on to keep my mind active, to contribute to society. But I'd love to not have the pressure of, you know, earning a paycheck every month to, to support myself, my family. So what specific form that will take, I still have to figure out. I think for now I'm I'm enjoying and I can manage acquiring duplexes and, and figuring out a way to make those cash flow here in Austin. I think at some point in the not too distant future here, I'm going to need to figure out a way to scale up because I don't think I'm going to get to the level of wealth and financial freedom I want just by buying a, a duplex or two a year, although that's that's still great. But I'd like to make bigger moves than that at some point soon. So that could mean getting into apartment buildings or um, just larger scale deals with multiple properties. But um, I need to kind of work towards building the leverage to be able to make those bigger deals happen. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, like you said, there's nothing wrong with if you if you do one deal a year, let's say you did one deal a year for for 20 years, then you've got 20 rental properties. And in 20 years, you're going to start paying them off soon after that. So if you've mm -hmm. got 20 rental properties that are paid off in a period of time, but most people will want to move a little quicker than that. So yeah, it's good insight. But like you said, you could also you know, buy, buy a few every, you buy what you buy one a year for three or four years. Mm -hmm. And then you start to scale up by trading those up like Monopoly. Yeah. And doing uh, you know, maybe selling those doing like a 1031 exchange into bigger properties and kind of get the snowball going. That'd be, that would be the ideal way to go about it. Yeah. No, I love that strategy because you can't, you can't do, you can't start the snowball if you didn't buy that first duplex. Right. And I think, you know, I, I aspire to get to a larger scale before too long, but I think people also underestimate how powerful it can be just to take a few small steps and to do some small things. Like if you really map out what, you know, like you said, getting maybe one or two investment properties a year for 10 or 15 years, what, what that would really net you, because it's not that hard to do if you have some resources and some wherewithal, but the results can be staggering. Yeah, the compounding of that is amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people, Alex? I do. There's a book by, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the newspaper comic strip, Dilbert. Yeah. The author of Dilbert, Scott Adams, is also a kind of a, a public figure, speaker, writer. Um, I don't agree with everything he's gotten into recently, but he has a few really good books, one of which is uh, kind of provocatively titled How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. <laughs> have you cool. read that one? No, I haven't. I'll have to. Yeah, I really enjoy that one. One of the biggest takeaways I had from that book and one of the things he talks about is this idea of systems versus goals, where basically he advocates where you have that you have systems instead of goals. So instead of saying um, a good example for fitness would be Instead of saying, I want to lose 15 pounds, which is a goal, your system is, I'm going to go to the gym every day. So systems, as he describes, are more sustainable. You're, it's a lot easier to win at them. Because if, you know, for an example of losing weight, every day that you haven't lost 15 pounds, you're kind of failing at your goal is one way to look at it. Whereas if you say, you know, all I have to do today is go to the gym, 
it's it's a more sustainable mindset. So that's a very simplistic example, but that framework for thinking has really informed a lot of my life decisions and thinking for the last few years. That's awesome. Uh, I think that there's a similar concept of like lead versus lag goals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're setting, if you've got, like you're saying, you've got the actions you need to do, like with that 15 pound goal, if you go mm-hmm. to the gym every day, your likelihood of losing 15 pounds is really high. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's an awesome way to look at things. I'll have to check that book out. Yeah. And to be clear, I, I do think goals are important. And I, you know, we're setting goals as part of our mastermind. And mm-hmm. I, my wife and I have personal uh, goals for, for ourselves. I have goals for myself in my relationship across a number of different domains, which I know you're a big advocate of. Um, so but I think, it, I think systems and goals can kind of go hand in hand. And I think it's just the bottom line is it's good to not become myopic into thinking there's this one thing that I really want to accomplish and I'm not going to be happy until I get there. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And then you can enjoy the process along the way too. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you're achieving your goals if you're going to the gym every day rather than, hey, I'm only happy if I lose that 15 pounds. So that's cool. Right. And you're focusing on something that's entirely within your control mm-hmm. as opposed to a more results-oriented approach where you may or may not be able to have that same control. Absolutely. No, I really like that. It's a good way to look at goal setting too in general. Alex, is there a good way for people to get a hold of you or just to follow you? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Probably not a great way. Uh, I am on Instagram. I haven't been super active recently. Uh, Alexander underscore Delp on Instagram. I have a lot of uh, pictures and videos from the rehab project for my house hack. If people want to check that out and see me fumbling my way through, you know, different kinds of repairs and things that might be of of entertainment, but yeah, you can DM me through that or uh, you can find me at most of the monthly Moorhead team meetups if you want to catch up in person. So yeah, love that for you. That's a great way to come meet them. Come out to our meetups and meet Alex. Jordan, can I ask you a couple questions before we wrap up? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I just thought this would be a cool opportunity to maybe ask you a few things. So one of the things I've noticed about you and that I really admire is that you never seem particularly rushed or flustered or like you just don't seem like you really get too cranked up about anything. And I'm wondering if that's kind of an innate personality trait or if it's something you've developed or maybe you disagree with the assessment. (laughs) Maybe it's some sort of disease. Um, <laughs> if so, it's know. a useful disease. You yeah. just have a very even-keeled demeanor, and I really admire that as someone who can be anxious and flustered at times. Oh, thank you. If I do have a uh, personality disorder, it served me really well in real estate. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that there's, you know, we're all, especially if if you're, let's just talk about a real estate transaction because we're on a real estate podcast. We're all kind of looking to get to the same end goal, and there's no reason to get upset at each other. The seller wants to sell. The buyer wants to buy. We both want to get to closing, so why are we going to get mad at each other? But just generally in life, I do think that everybody just kind of is doing their best. Mm -hmm. Um, However that looks for each person, it's going to be different for everybody. But I think everybody's trying their best and doing their best, and I really just think that 
there aren't really any inherently bad people. There's just people that have done bad things. And I think a lot of people disagree with me there, but just not, it's not worth it to get all fired up about it. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help get the job done. So why are we getting upset? Yeah, when it seems like, you know, you give people a lot of the benefit of the doubt and that actually helps you because yeah. it, it lets you have a more relaxed and open mindset. So it's really, you know, even if you just looked at it from a selfish perspective, it's probably the right way to, to go about life. Yeah, it definitely helps me. I had an agent not too long ago ask me, things weren't going long and it was nothing in our control. So the lender was, they just kept needing extensions and extensions. And I, I understand why she was frustrated because the sellers were trying to close and that she couldn't do anything to fix it. And I couldn't do anything to fix it. But she told me, I, I need you to get upset about this. And I said, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I just, I know I can't do anything. I, I'm not one to get upset. You know, it's out of completely out of our control. So sometimes yeah. things just, there's nothing you can do about them. You got to do what you can do, which is just move forward. And if you get upset about something you can't control, it's wasting your time and everybody else's. Yeah, it seems silly to, you know, that... She wanted you to get upset, but that's a, a very telling story. And I think illustrates your point very well. I wish I didn't have that story, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so another, I just have two other quick ones for you. So okay. if I were to say I have a superpower and I'm doing air quotes when I say that, mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, so I'm a project manager by, mm -hmm. by trade for my career. Mm -hmm. So I, I basically, I'm never the smartest person in the room, but my job is to try to get all the smartest people in the room and point them in the right direction. So I think over the years, I've gotten pretty good at figuring out how to do that, how to get the right people in the right room, organize them around a, a common goal, and just organize that effort. So my question to you is, if you had a superpower, if you have something you would consider to be something you're especially good at, what would it be? Believe it or not, I think it's finding those people to get in the mm -hmm. room. So just, you know, connecting everybody. I'm definitely not the project manager. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the best at figuring out how it's all going to work, but I'm definitely the best at gathering, gathering those people or connecting A to B. So I say, hey, Alex, you know, you need to meet George over here. You know, mm -hmm. I'm very good at connecting people um, and just kind of being able to weave that all together. It's just gotcha. that's my one of my strengths is definitely connections. And I've definitely definitely observed that. And you've you know, you've got a great team that all has different, very complementary skill sets. You know, you've got um, Devin and Connor and Megan, and they're all like really awesome at a different thing that mm -hmm. fits into a well-rounded team for you guys holistically. That was an accident, but thank you. <laughs> I was trying to let you take credit for it, but no, no that was totally an accident. Cool. All right. Last quick question for you. So uh, I know I heard on a different podcast you did at one point a quote that you like, which is whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. Oh, yeah. And I'm wondering if there are any other quotes that you live by or that have at least been top of mind recently. Yeah, so that's absolutely a great one. I think Henry Ford said that, or at least he's credited with saying it. You see <laughs> all this credit for all these quotes, and I, I have a feeling most of it is wrong. but that's that's the credit for that one um one of my favorite quotes is your network is your net worth and i think this is mm -hmm. back to just connecting people or making connections 
because it's really about who you know. It's not what you know. Doesn't have anything to do with what you know. Yeah, I think you know having a connection focused mindset is a really powerful way to to grow in any field, really, but especially in real estate investing. And it's just not knowing that you don't need to know the answer. You just need Mm -hmm. to find somebody that can help you find the answer. So you don't have to know everything. I don't know most things, but I can find somebody that knows. Well, and back to your earlier question about how I had the wherewithal to sort of get my feet, you know, jump in with both feet for the, the house hack project and navigate through that. I did some things, but I leaned heavily on you and your team and the resources and expertise of other people. And I think just realizing that you don't have to do it all yourself is very enabling and just oh, yeah. can help you get started when it seems overwhelming. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it definitely, you got to have a team around you. And it doesn't mean you have to have people that work for you. You mm-hmm. have to know the right people, whether it's contractors or handyman or the right realtor, the right loan officer, just makes everything so much easier. Exactly. Well, cool, man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, full disclosure, I had no idea Alex was going to do that. So, <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Cool. This was a lot of fun, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you as always. And I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Yeah. And stay tuned, guys. We actually are having a podcast coming out here sometime in the future, in the next couple months, where somebody is going to interview me. And I have no idea what he's going to ask. So it should be interesting. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. So follow Alex on Instagram at Alexander underscore Delp. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Jordan Moorhead. Uh, We'll have all this stuff in the show notes for you too. So you can reach out to Alex and ask him about his real estate investing here in Austin. Thanks, Jordan. Great talking to you. All right. Great talking to you too. Talk to you here soon. See ya.